0: While commercial Internet services are the main form of connection for most New Yorkers, there are some parts of the state with limited access to high-speed services under this dynamic, prompting policymakers to explore other connectivity options, such as municipal broadband model, which is the subject of a bill signed into law this fall by Governor Hochul. To discuss the new measure, which is intended to provide greater financial flexibility for municipalities interested in providing Internet services, we're joined in the studio by Assemblymember Anna Kellis, an Ithaca-area Democrat who sponsored the new law. Welcome back to the show, Assemblymember.
1: Ah, thank you. It's good to be here.
0: So, for starters, what exactly is municipal broadband? Should we think of it as a local government providing, I guess, the same sort of infrastructure as a commercial provider, or is it something else?
1: No, that's literally exactly what it is. Straightforward. They lay their own fiber, optic fiber, and provide their own broadband service. But, of course, the model is unique because it's a a municipality, and so they don't need to make a profit. It's not a profit-based model. Right. It's a public good and this bill and a bill that passed last year in the budget combined is what really makes the change. Last year, it was technically, officially, explicitly allowing for community broadband. And this was allowing municipalities to bond out the capital infrastructure for those community broadband. So yes, it is recognizing that particularly post-COVID, It should be accessible to everybody. It shouldn't be for just privileged or wealthy or, right, those people can afford it. And particularly those in, like, rural areas, there are no lines because it's not cost effective for the for-profit entities to run lines. So I've had constituents who've said that they reached out to the companies and and were told, you know, it could be tens of thousands of dollars and then we'll, we'll run the lines out to you.
0: So, what is the bonding authority that's authorized to municipalities as part of this new law?
1: It's the state um bonding authority that we have that uh, municipalities use for for all other bonding items infrastructure uh, in the municipalities and what they were told particularly, I have a municipal broadband called Dryden fiber mm-hmm. in my in my district and um they were told this is not officially, uh, the laying of fiber, the capital investments in community broadband is not officially on the list. It's a it's a rather conservative entity. And uh, so adding it to the list officially makes it, a state law that uh, it, it has to be eligible for municipal bonding.
0: And, and what's the time frame for this bonding? Because with capital infrastructures, we normally think of something as taking multiple years uh, to pay back because it has multiple years worth uh, of usefulness.
1: Exactly. And that's exactly what this is. It's supposed to be that they can bond out for the life of the fiber. So if they have to replace the fiber in 15 years, then the bond would be for 15 years. And then, of course, they would bond out again, pay that off in the 15 years. And if they find you know that they only need to maintain great if they have to replace they would take out another bond but the the benefit is it's a huge benefit is that it creates not only significantly higher speed broadband than what you can get from the commercial broadband but it does it at a significantly, sometimes a significantly lower cost. Sometimes slightly less, but sometimes significant. That's huge. And out to areas where it it didn't exist previously. So part of the reason is, is that if a municipality creates municipal broadband, but they can't bond, that means they have to pay the capital investment, the infrastructure investment in the front end, then it's not gonna be cost competitive people will not be able to afford it because they're putting the cost of, of the infrastructure in the beginning right away. So maybe it would be that it would be uh, the cost would reduce after they paid off the cost of the infrastructure. But at that point, it's multiple years. And if no one then buys it, it's a guarantee that the, that the municipal broadband would fold, right? So this allows it to be cost effective and affordable.
0: Well, why are municipalities the right medium for providing a municipal broadband? Why not have the state do this with their larger perspective and probably better expertise in it when it comes to infrastructure and technology?
1: Huh, I mean, that would be another option if like, we continued to see this expanding across the state and the state wanted to take over. There's advantages and disadvantages. Um, the, you know, the advantages of having it be municipal is that municipalities can do it right now, um, Uh, Can they, though? Do
0: they have the expertise and capacity to embark on something this massive?
1: Sure, sure. So Dryden Fiber, as I said, that exists. It is a town of a few thousand people. Mm -hmm. It was more, did they have the will? They did. They contracted out to have an analysis done. Uh, And so, of course, then you contract out the expertise. You get a plan for the, the infrastructure, which they did. Um, And then that is what they're building off of. So it's not that, like, within their staff, they need to have the expertise themselves. They need to contract out to do the study, which is, again, literally what they did. And they are building based off of their continued relationship with that consulting firm that has the expertise. So I can say for myself, I actually, just a couple weeks ago, switched from uh, my previous provider, which was Spectrum, to uh, Dryden Fiber. Uh, So Instantaneous. It's, it was actually comical because my husband and I do speed tests. You mm-hmm. do like speedtest.net, mm-hmm. and you can look. And we had the the speed test results prior to the switch, and just after. So it was a two hour difference. We were you know ideal whatever like one minute to the next, right? But two hour difference, and it went up about twenty times the the speed from 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 one moment to the next, and the cost of our our our, our internet went down. Um, The consistency is better. We can now both work from home because we live in a a, a rural area. We have, I think, six people, six homes on our road. I I live in rural upstate New York. We didn't have the ability to have the speeds that we have, the consistency that we had. And during COVID, when both of us were trying to work from home, and his daughter was also trying to do school from home we had zoom meetings going at the same time mine would cut out constantly Here i am an assembly member trying to do my job for the citizens of my community at residents of my community and I, I i wasn't able to to you know fully effectively do my job now we have no problem with all of us running zoom at the same time you know in our home so given the world and the reality that we're in post covid this needs to be a a public good It should not be something that is dictated by whether or not a company that has an oligopoly or a monopoly in the area can make a profit.
0: So I want to continue to talk about the potential of municipal broadband, but first let me reintroduce you for listeners just joining us. This is the Capitol Press Room, and we're speaking with Assemblymember Anna Kellis, an Ithaca-area Democrat. So when you think about the potential of municipal broadband, do you view this as something that should operate in, say, direct competition with commercial providers, or should it be limited to areas without uh, a significant option?
1: No, I think that this should be a a choice for any community that wants to do it. Um, If it is in competition with the private industry, well, you know, I mean, they deal with that all the time. Competition, it's supposed to be a capitalist system with a free market. Competition is good for it so I don't see a problem with that.
0: Um, Is it an even competition if you have a municipal system that doesn't need to pay the same taxes, potentially, as a private uh, company?
1: Well, I think that if it becomes something, I mean, when you have an oligopoly, you have no drive to be cost competitive, right, at all. So I think that it would really push the entity to be cost competitive and maybe be more accurate with the actual cost of delivering the service. Maybe there would be less profit, but i I doubt that it would create a scenario where they would not be able to exist with municipal broadband, that the difference in the price is that dramatic. I think that it would make for overall better package of services that we would be able to pick from. And we've seen that in any number of industries across the United States, right? When you have an oligopoly or a a monopoly, Um, prices tend to go up and you have no other options. Um, And when you see that there's competition, you have better packages, better offerings, they're cost competitive. I suspect that that is what we will see.
0: So with this new law, as well as the language in the recent budget, does that represent all of the authorization that municipalities will need to embark on this journey if they're so interested? Or do you think they will need to be other prodding or incentives to get people to head down this road?
1: I definitely think that it will not be a situation where every municipality across the state is going to switch to municipal broadband. Watching Dryden go through this process, it was a lift. Um, it was a lot of work, but they were motivated. That's where their priorities were, and so they did this. I definitely do not think that every municipality is going to do this. So that's um, to to start with. I also think that it could create issues. If you have patchwork where every single municipality is creating their own small broadband, it doesn't create efficiencies. So there is actually another bill that I'm working on with the person, the, the senator who carried these with me, Senator Rachel May, to create communication union districts. It's uh, it's modeled after a bill from Vermont that would allow for municipalities to join together to create, like, if you if you will, like a, a memorandum of understanding between them, and then they create a collective market that they all govern collectively. Um, and I think that that would also create efficiencies in the infrastructure. Um, but it, they can also partner with, uh, there's, for example, a nonprofit, the Southern Tier Network, that specializes in laying middle-mile fiber into breaking into more rural areas. And then companies, including uh, municipal broadband, could connect with that middle-mile fiber and then build to the home from that point. So there are any number of models I think, that that could ultimately create the model across the state. Um, But what we know is that the model we have is just not working. That there are too many people that do not have broadband at all or too many people who have, uh, that are underserved, they don't have what what we would consider broadband, the speeds that would be considered broadband, and they have no choice in the area. So given the world that we're in, that is unacceptable. We had to do something to address those. And clearly the for-profit model was not providing that solution.
0: Well, finally, sticking with the current landscape, New York's approach to expanding access has primarily been about providing financial incentives to commercial internet providers to build out that last mile, to reach the people that they say aren't profitable. Should municipal broadband Providers have access to that same sort of incentive dollars in the future. Is the state better off incentivizing municipalities to pursue this than commercial companies?
1: I think this should be a public good. I think it always should have been. I think just like electricity, you know, originally in those conversations, deregulation—that's a whole other conversation, right? But there are um, there are a lot of things that should be a public good. I think this is one of them because. We are at an age, we are at a digital age that it makes or break whether you are educated, like fully have access to education, I mean, whether you fully have access to the breadth of jobs, whether you can participate in civic engagement um, is determined to some extent by whether or not you have access to the internet. Um, So I do think that this is very important. The model that we have shown in uh, my district, Dryden, that they are producing, as I said, significantly greater speeds um, at, uh, at a lower price right now. So is that ultimately the best use of taxpayer money to incentivize that further or should we put it into other aspects? The, the fact is that this is a solution that already is cheaper um, from the examples that I have seen. And I think that that in and of itself is really important.
0: Well, we've been speaking with Assemblymember Anna Kellis. She is an Ithaca-area Democrat. Assemblymember, thank you so much for making the time.
1: Absolutely. Wonderful to be here.
0: And for more Capital Press Room content, visit capitalpressroom.org or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And if you listen to us from an Apple device, make sure to leave us a rating and a review so it helps other people find the show.